Hello there, I'm Justin. It's Thursday, and you're on the pickup line. Welcome to another edition of the Thursday Pop Culture Roundup here on the pickup line. Thanks so much for tuning in. On today's episode, we're going to be talking more about Westworld, a show that I've been watching for the past few weeks, and it's really starting to heat up. Um, the continuing story of Dispatches from Elsewhere, a fascinating little TV show that I am absolutely in love with. And I'm going to give you a sneak peek about something really exciting coming out uh, tomorrow on Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. So this past Sunday, we were greeted with episode four of Westworld season three. And if you've been following Westworld up to this point, um, it's been pretty linear so far. Um, uh, sort of un- an unusual approach for a show that has been so um, kind of uh, attempting to throw audiences for a loop uh, traditionally. And um, I- I'm hoping that there's more than meets the eye here, but we'll, we shall see. Um, just to kind of bring us up to speed, up to this point, we've been seeing a lot of Dolores and what she's been up to in what appears to be modern-day uh, Los Angeles and surrounding areas. Um, she's out in the real world. She has a mission. It seems that her mission is to destroy humanity or at least to usher in a new form of life uh, that are the hosts and the synthetic life forms that, that Dolores and her compatriots are. Um, so that's kind of her trajectory, her mission. Um, we've We've also been seeing uh, a lot of Bernard and what he's been up to. Um, if you recall, Dolores, when she escaped Westworld at the end of season two, she brought with her several AI mind cores, um, one of which was Bernard. And for some reason, she recreated Bernard's uh, host body and put his mind back into himself and let him loose into the real world. Um, and according to her, she did this because she wanted someone to keep her in check, uh, perhaps to play the Batman to her Joker, um, or to perhaps be an, uh, you know, a, um, a balancing, uh, equation for her, sort of like a similar idea to what they do in the Matrix, right, with, like, Agent Smith being the zero to Neo's the one, right? Um, so anyway, so that's Bernard, that's Dolores, um... We've seen Charlotte Hale in season three doing some machinations behind the scenes at Delos and adjusting to her new imposter life uh, as the board CEO of Delos Corporation. Again, uh, Dolores brought out uh, several mind cores, put one into Charlotte and recreated her body Um, up up to season up to episode four. We weren't sure who was in Charlotte hail yet, but we do get some answers to that in episode four, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, And we've been seeing a little bit of Maeve as well and what she's been up to. Um, She's been having an interesting journey so far. Um, After the events of season two, she found herself trapped in just sort of a virtual simulation in which she was able to escape. And then she's found herself in the company of this mysterious AI programmer guy, Serac, who is uh, apparently responsible for the creation of... um, I can never pronounce the name of the uh, computer AI that's running things in the real world. So, so Boahim, I, I got I to gotta work on that name, or I got to remember it better. Anyway, that's kind of where we're at. 
Um, so Bernard found his way back to Westworld. He picked up Stubbs, uh, the uh, former head of security at Westworld, uh, who is revealed to be a host himself. Uh, Stubbs and Bernard kind of hook up together as a duo. They go back to the real world to try and thwart Dolores's plan to destroy humanity. And uh, after discovering a lead, they, they pick up on this, this computer programmer whose father was responsible uh, and worked with Serac to create this system. Um, and they go to intercept him before Dolores can get to him and perhaps replace him with a host. Bernard and Stubbs suspect Dolores of attempting to replace uh, certain powerful and influential humans with hosts. We also have a new character that we've been following this season, Caleb, uh, played by Aaron Paul. Caleb's an interesting character. We don't know much about him. Uh, we get a little bit of flashes of memory from his backstory. He's a veteran. Uh, one of, apparently one of his best friends was killed in combat. Um, he came back to society and tried to find a place uh, as a veteran, as someone who is uh, sort of disconnected, as someone who is struggling, someone who can't get a job. And in episode three, uh, it's revealed, uh, Dolores kind of gives us some exposition about what this system is that uh, is, is this algorithm that's controlling the real world and what she tells us is this system is essentially created a mirror world of our reality uh, and has predicted the future behaviors of all, every human being on earth uh, based on their choices decisions and data um, and as she's as she tells this to, to Caleb she tells him she brings him to a peer and says to him that this is where you're going to commit suicide and he can't believe this but it is but he does realize that there is this an ounce of truth to what she's saying because he has visited that peer several times and thought about the you know futility of his own life and 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 Dolores tells him this is why you can't get a job this is why you're only going to be able to ever be a construction worker is because the system has predicted your life path and your employers have this data and they're using it to, to not invest in you because they know that five years from now you're going to commit suicide on this bridge. It's a crazy idea to think that, that predictive analytics could be the driving factor in, in making decisions for people's jobs and futures and things like that. Um, and, and perhaps we're not too far off from that. Um, and so that kind of brings us up to speed to episode four. Now, episode four starts off with something that I'm really confused about. It's a compelling scene, and we are, are gifted with the return of Ed Harris as William slash the man in black, the enigmatic and conflicted uh, head of Delos Corporation, uh, majority shareholder and all-around bad dude um, in the Westworld Park. The the fellow that in season one, we got the, the parallel uh, different time period storylines about how he once was this noble and righteous man and through a series of events in the Westworld Park turned into this villainous... Um, bad guy. Uh, and and, and I, the reason I'm confused here is because if my memory serves, when season two of Westworld ended, uh, formally, before the credits, the last we saw William was that he was, he had just been accosted by Dolores and Bernard, hand blown off, half dead, left for dead in the, in the desert somewhere in Westworld, and he was descending the elevator into the forge. Um, and then the credits rolled, at the end of Westworld Season 2. And if you stuck around after those credits, we were greeted with a scene. Uh, we sort of got to see what happened when William got to the bottom of that elevator. Um, when he arrived at the bottom of that elevator, it seemed as though he had been transported somehow through time into a far, far future. The... Uh forge that we had just seen pristine and beautiful in its current state was decayed and destroyed as though it had been left abandoned for hundreds of years everything was just decaying and in the in that wreckage he encountered his his a a, a um um a specter of his of his daughter that he had 
killed a few episodes back because he thought that she was a host trying to convince him to leave the park and end the journey towards his truth. So he murdered his own daughter thinking she was a host, and then he ended up in this strange future version of the forge with a a ghost of his daughter or a figment of his imagination speaking to him. Um, That's where last we saw him. When this episode four of season three picks up, William is back in his L.A. mansion, uh, living in a sort of chaotic and confused um, recluse lifestyle in his house, um, haunted by visions of his daughter and memories of the suicide of his wife and all the people that indirectly or directly his his actions have led to the loss of their lives and so here he is stuck in his little loop of tragedy uh reliving these horrible memories over and over again um with no explanation as to how he arrived here or how he got out of Westworld or how he ended up in Los Angeles. And at first, you know, I thought maybe this scene was just him in some, maybe this was just his mind core inside of a virtual AI. Uh, but no, it seems that it, this seems to be him in, in what we're being told is the real Los Angeles world. And uh, Charlotte Hale comes to visit him to convince him to attend a board meeting so that she can uh, fend off uh, Sarek, who is trying to buy out Delos. It's a compelling scene. There's a lot of interesting dialogue between Charlotte and William, and William kind of going crazy and trying to figure out what's going on and not not knowing who he really is and what's happening. He's just very confused. Eventually, he comes to his senses and decides to go to this board meeting. He dresses up in his, in his customary black suit. Um, and then sort of the tables turn a bit on him as Charlotte Hale uh, reveals that this plot had been a a plan to essentially um, make him get committed to a mental institution at last so that his, uh, his vote on the board would be nullified because he was incompetent. And so she succeeds at this endeavor because she gives us a big reveal. So this episode plays out, um, multiple things are happening kind of simultaneously, and they all co- coalesce and, and come together in this moment of revelation. So we've got a couple of things happening at the same time. You've got Charlotte Hale talking with William in his mansion, trying to convince him to go to this board meeting, but really trying to demonstrate his insanity. Uh, we've got Maeve, who has teamed up with Sarek. Sarek goes through some extensive lengths to convince Maeve that Dolores is on a, a, a warpath to destroy all of humanity, and that perhaps Maeve would want to stop Dolores uh, before that happens um, in an attempt to find a way to have humans and AI coexist. Um, Maeve agrees to this. Maeve sees the light with Sarek, and she she agrees to go find Dolores and put an end to her. And so uh, in her typical badass way, Maeve sets off to just, you know, kick ass and chew bubble gum, and she's all out of gum. And she ends up at this... uh, uh, She follows some leads, and she ends up at a... Uh, Yakuza base uh, where she believes that um, uh, Dolores had gone to create uh, a host body for one of one or more of the AI mind cores that she had brought with her out of Westworld at the end of season two. So that's what Maeve is up to. Uh, Hale is talking to William. Maeve is going after Yakuza Dolores person. Um, and then we've got Dolores herself and Caleb uh, going after her former boyfriend, the guy that, I keep forgetting, Dempsey, Dempsey is his name, Um, the guy that that she, uh, whose head of security Dolores replaced with the host. She's going after him at a party. The plan is to capture him, kill him, and replace him with a host that she brought out of Westworld. Um, 
Bernard and Stubbs intercept this plan and they have a confrontation with Dolores. There's some cool fight scenes. We get a cool fight between Stubbs and Dolores and they kind of go at it a little bit. Dolores kind of defeats him and throws him off of a balcony. Um, and then at the end of this scene, uh, this head of security confronts Dempsey, who he still thinks is his head of security, but he's not. He's actually working with Dolores. Um, and so all of these things are happening kind of simultaneously. We've got William in his house talking to, to Hale. We've got Maeve about to confront this Yakuza leader that she believes uh, Dolores brought out of Westworld with her. And then we've got uh, Dolores and um, the head of security guy that she's sort of doppelgangered um, about to confront Bernard, Stubbs, and Dempsey. As all of these events are, are coalescing around one another, we finally come to the big reveal in this episode that up to this point, we had thought that Dolores had brought out a few allies with her from Westworld, perhaps Teddy's AI core, or perhaps um, a few of the other people that she had worked with closely on her mission through Westworld. But as, it come, as we come to find out here, she actually only brought out her own self. She brought out multiple copies of of her own AI mind core and put herself into all of these other characters. So Charlotte Hale is Dolores. Um, the head of security guy that was replaced in episode two is Dolores. Um, the, uh, Maeve uh, finds the Yakuza leader who is this Japanese samurai from, uh, uh, war from this, the world in, in Westworld season two. And that is also Dolores. So Dolores's plan was not to, bring out her allies from Westworld, it was to populate new host bodies with her own mind. So um, in a really interesting twist, all of these different people are Dolores. And this opens up an entirely new can of worms to think about who else is Dolores and where else is Dolores. So, you know, it's an interesting concept, a, a, a character that can now be in, in all these different places at once and is kind of this one, almost like a hive mind where you've got like this, this multiple branches of this tree and, and she's got all these different tentacles out there doing all these different things, but they're all working synchronously together uh, in the cloud, I guess, that is Dolores, the Dolores cloud, if you want to call it that. Um, so that's an interesting twist and it makes me really ponder, you know, who else might be Dolores and they don't even know it yet. Uh, is Bernard Dolores? That would be a cool twist, right? Imagine if, if Bernard uh, is, is also Dolores and, and she's kind of in there controlling him, making him think that he's himself for whatever reasons she might need that for. What if Caleb is a host and Caleb is actually Dolores too? Who knows? I mean, there's, there's tons of crazy sort of like theories about this, but, but now we do know that all these hosts that Dolores has brought out of the park are just copies of her own AI course. So that's kind of a cool twist. Um, I'm still confused about William and his role and his fate in all of this. Uh, by the end of the episode, he does end up in a sort of cell um, where he is left to just kind of ponder his fate as he is haunted by the ghost of his, of his daughter that he murdered. So I'm wondering if William will, will remain there for the rest of the season, if this is the last we've seen of Ed Harris, if he's only going to do a very small cameo role this season. I don't know. It will be interesting to see that for sure. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. I thought this was a good episode. There was a lot of tense action. Um, I really liked the way that they kind of built up the reveal about who Dolores actually is and who these hosts actually are. I thought all of that was really, really good. And uh, I'm excited to see where they take the show from here. So episode five is coming this Sunday, um, and it should be interesting to see what happens now that we know uh, how many Dolores clones are out there in the real world. Tune in for the next part of the podcast as I gush over dispatches from elsewhere.
AMC's Dispatches from Elsewhere has been absolutely hands down my favorite show of the season right now. Um, we're in on about episode six or seven of Dispatches from Elsewhere, and things finally took a turn on the show. A turn so drastic that I thought the show was just simply going to end after these six episodes. I thought that this was a perfect ending point, um, and everything wrapped up, and things were resolved, and the curtain was pulled back, and we got to see what was really going on, and it was, okay, this is the end. All right, sure, fine. Uh, however, it is not the end. There are more episodes, and it seems that the plot thickens, and there is more going on here still yet than, than meets the eye. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's full of joy, of love, of laughter, of cynicism, of frightfulness of characters who are deeply flawed and awkward and who have redemption in them. Uh, it, it's, it's a perfect show right now for a world that feels like it doesn't mean much to people and, and gives us hope that there is something else out there. There is something just beyond the curtain. If we, can, if we just are brave enough to look at it and if we, are, if we have the courage to just kind of peer behind what we think our lives actually are and maybe take a risk or two, there's something else out there for us. And potentially that might end up in failure and, and embarrassment and heartbreak. But it could also bring the most amazing joy and happiness that, that you could ever imagine. That's what this show is about. Um, literally, it's about a group of people, unlikely friends, who come together uh, in the course of this strange uh, game that they're thrust into. Um, it's almost like one of these augmented reality games um, or like a geocaching kind of experience where they are given all of these strange clues and there's all these interesting set pieces that are created by some mysterious entity and these unlikely heroes and friends come, these four people come together and find themselves, find each other and find answers to this um to this ethereal mystery that they're chasing. Um, and it's just, it's just a fascinating show. I really love it. I, I don't want to talk too much about it specifically because I don't want to give it all away because it's so fun to watch. Um, I would highly recommend that you check this out. It comes on Mondays at 10 on AMC. Um, this last episode, as I said, like some stuff really changed, like the whole tenor of the show changed significantly. And I'm fascinated to see where they go from here. Now that they, the sort of the game that they're playing has kind of come to an end. Um, I figured this would be the end of the show, uh, but it's not, and there's more. And so I'm really excited to see where they take it from here. Um, amazing music on this show, amazing kind of mixing of the music and this, the visual images. They do this fun thing on this show where they'll put in a, a well-known piece of music, but they'll only play it for about 10 or 15 seconds like they cut the music off before you think it should stop and it's an interesting kind of moment they do that a lot it's an interesting directorial choice um sally field's amazing in it jason siegel is really good i don't know the names of the other actors but they're all incredible and i would highly suggest that you check out dispatches from elsewhere it is worth your time um and and like i don't want to go through a re episode recap but i would suggest that you watch it it's really 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 good
And finally today, I want to give a big shout out for something really special happening tomorrow on Friday, April 10th. Tomorrow's uh, pickup line episode is going to be all about Final Fantasy VII, a seminal role-playing game uh, first released in the mid-90s on the Sony PlayStation. I'll never forget driving to Raleigh, North Carolina with my dad to go to Byright Video Games to buy my copy of Final Fantasy VII, the first 3D Final Fantasy game, um, one of the first kind of really in-depth RPGs RPGs on the Sony PlayStation, and perhaps the game that ushered in uh, 3D gaming to the West in a major way, um, and just was a banger of a success. Um, this game has been remade meticulously by Square Enix over the last 10 years or so, and the Final Fantasy VII Remake is finally, at long last, launching tomorrow on PlayStation 4. Um, not only do I have personal memories of this game, but this game was also like a seminal activity that my wife and I did when we were very first dating in high school. Um, we used to go and get Burger King, eat Whoppers, and play Final Fantasy VII uh, after school. And so this game has a lot of special and important meanings to me. Um, it's a beautiful game. It's an incredible story. It was one of the first games that, that showed us that RPGs could be could be meaningful and emotional and spiritual and all the things that modern games attempt to be. Um, so it's a really important one. It's a big special day tomorrow. So we're going to have a Final Fantasy VII pickup line blowout episode tomorrow. And in the weeks to come, I'll be talking a lot about Final Fantasy VII Remake on the podcast. So you can tune in and get excited for that. But uh, if you know, let me know if you're picking up Final Fantasy VII tomorrow and how excited you are for it. Or if you're enjoying Westworld or Dispatches from Elsewhere or any other TV shows right now that you're really into, leave me a message on the pickup line. I'll be happy to include it in this episode. Thank you all so much for hanging out today. Until next time, this is the just this is Justin from the pickup line. Thank you so much for hanging out and I'll see you on the next episode.